Who are the best quarterbacks the Seahawks will be facing in their upcoming 2023 schedule? My mother, Trina Chapman Smith, and I are going to be ranking all 17 potential starters the Seahawks could face heading into a new season on our latest Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As has become a yearly tradition, glad to be joined by my mother, Trina Chapman Smith, diehard Miami Dolphins and NFL fan. And we're going to be breaking down each and every one of the quarterbacks on Seattle's 2023 schedule, dishing out our annual rankings. Really excited about that. A special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. So we're going to get to the rankings now. Mom, I'm just going to say this has become one of the most popular episodes that we have. We've got a lot of listeners. As soon as the schedule comes out every year, I start getting bombarded with messages from our diehard listeners saying, when are we going to get our quarterback rankings episode with your mom? So now we get the chance to do that. And and this year's a little bit different because last season we literally had all the starting quarterbacks that were slated to play against the Seahawks in a list of 14. But this year we have to put 17 because two of the NFC West rivals that Seattle has, the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers, they could be without their best quarterback at the beginning of the season due to injury. And so that kind of complicates things a little bit. So we've actually got 17 quarterbacks in our rankings. We're going to break them into three tiers. I think in tier one, you and I were generally agreeing on the quarterbacks. I think we'll see some differences, though, when we get to tier two, as well as our final tier, which is the top five quarterbacks on Seattle's schedule. So without further ado, Let's get to tier one, which for me at least, I'm calling this the failed starters and unknowns category. We're looking at players for the most part. I have one player on this list that did get to play quite a bit last year and showed some promise, but you either have rookies or guys that have really struggled as starters. And so for me, topping off my list, I've got I've got to go with Sam Darnold at number 17. Former USC top draft picks with the Jets last year, the Panthers, year before the Panthers, and too many interceptions for my liking. He's uh, flamed out with both those teams. So I think he is the worst quarterback on Seattle's schedule as a potential starter, just because Kyle Shanahan's been able to unearth some things with QBs in the past. Maybe that's the system for him to get it done in San Francisco if Brock Purdy's not available. But I've got him at the bottom of my list and just ahead of him. This guy, Seahawks fans are going to say, why is he this low on the list? Because Colt McCoy has basically become Peyton Manning 2.0 anytime he started against the Seattle Seahawks. Isn't that amazing how some guys pulled that off against one team? Yeah. Yeah. He's 3-0 as a starter in his career against the Seahawks. He beat him as a starter for the Giants, replacing Daniel Jones a few years ago, replacing Kyler Murray. Murray's coming back from an ACL tear, so McCoy's got a good chance to potentially start early in the year. I don't know if he will be in that yeah. lineup when they play the Seahawks later in the season. But yeah, and everything I've read sounds like he's going to play probably at least the first six weeks or so. Yeah. So the it, Cardinals, yeah. there's a good chance yeah. they're going to be without Murray. Yeah. McCoy ends up being the starter. I don't think at this stage of his career, especially that he's a guy that is 
a top tier caliber. I mean, he's probably a top tier backup, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to be more than a spot starter for you. But Seattle fans know that he has killed them as a spot starter in the past. So I've got him at number 16. And then Sam Howell, he's that first real unknown. He played a few snaps for the Washington Commanders last year. I liked his film at North Carolina, but there were some questions about his accuracy and his decision-making. He's got the arm. He's athletic and underrated athlete that can run the ball. So really, he's a guy that just hasn't really had a chance yet. Washington hasn't been a place where quarterbacks have necessarily thrived, though, either. So those are my first names. Yeah, like I told you, I, I have, I'm not sure I've ever seen him. So I can't comment about him. But I have Darnold at the bottom, too. He was so great in college. Yeah. I remember thinking he was a cannot miss. I liked everything he did. At USC, and you're right, he's been a nobody and a real disappointment. So sorry, Sam, number seventeen on mine also. Bottom two, and and I have I have McCoy and Howell actually swapped just because I I love Colt McCoy. I th I think he does what he can do. Is he the greatest athlete? No. Is he built like classic QB? No. But he doesn't tend to hurt his teams when he's out there. So at least we know that about him, whereas Howell, like you said, it's hard to say whether Howell will thrive or survive or neither. So Yeah, that's yeah. really a good point. And I was torn on Howell just because we haven't seen much from him. But right. I will take a guy that I really like the upside that has only played a handful of snaps in the league over a player like Darnold who has flamed out as a starter with two teams and then somebody like McCoy that's been in the league for – over 10 years, never really been a starter, has been a solid backup. But I'll take a guy like Howell over him in my rankings. As far as the next three to close out the first year, I've got a couple players that really haven't had an opportunity to play. Trey Lance is actually going into his third season, but he hasn't played much. Rookie year, Jimmy Garoppolo was the starter for most of that season. Then last year, he's the starter in week one, loses to the Bears, breaks his ankle against the Seahawks in week two, missed the rest of the season. So a former top three pick, a guy they traded up for, you'd think they'd be giving him those opportunities, but as we'll talk about later at some point. Wasn't he the guy that missed his whole senior year pretty much because of COVID? Yeah, he just hasn't So he played. really just hasn't played any football for a while. Yeah, he's played very limited snaps. That could be an advantage for him too, right? He could be so fresh and... But he could he could also be a disaster. Yeah, that's really the key here is that I just unknown. I really don't know what to expect from Trey Lance. And I liked the prospect athletically, the arm and all that stuff. But again, he's coming from an FCS school at North Dakota State. Yeah. And then he didn't play due to COVID. And yeah. then he has played only a couple games in the NFL. So really the jury's out if he's small can still sample be that guy. size. But I'm gonna keep him up at 14 just because I do think there's still a lot of untapped upside. He just hasn't been on the field. At number 13, my first rookie on this list, Bryce Young. The questions about size, I think, are legitimate. And you don't wanna you you know, you look at Russell Wilson, all those years in Seattle. Five foot ten quarterbacks that have had success. Yeah, tell though. this to Drew Brees, right? Yeah, there just aren't very many guys yeah. that size though that have had that kind of success. So yeah. that is going to be the big key for Bryce Young. How much does that factor in? Can the Panthers build around his strengths and mitigate the fact that this is a kid that I do have concerns about durability wise, but I don't have concerns about the football skills and the leadership. So I'm going to have him at 13. This is a kid that could fly up this list if we revisit this in the middle of the season. Uh, they would already have played them, but he's a guy that could see move of this list. I could also see him really struggle out of the gate, depending on what the Panthers set him up with. And then Kenny Pickett is the last guy on my list here, just because the numbers aren't great. 
from his rookie year. But you watch the tape at the end of the season, he was playing much better. The Steelers as a team were playing much better. So I think that Kenny Pickett has a chance to be a really solid starter in the NFL. You can't really say that about many other guys from that draft class last year. Uh, players like Malik Willis that probably have already been given up on. He has a chance to prove in year two that the Steelers made a really wise move investing a first-round pick in him almost got to the playoffs last year. So Pickett is on the cusp of being in tier two, but just because the numbers weren't great and there were some things that held him back early in his tenure as a starter, I, I got to keep him on tier one here, but he's got a chance to really move up this yeah. list. Well, this, but I actually, I have Pickett at tier two at the top of it. I thought he was the best quarterback in a weak class. And I thought Pittsburgh exceeded expectations last yep. year. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people thought they could actually finish last in the division, which definitely did not happen. Yep. So I think you have to give Kenny Pickett some of the credit for that and the way he was coached. So I have him in tier two. But I have Young in exactly the same spot. I have Lance in exactly the same spot. I have my old <laughs> Tannehill. And yes, being a Dolphin fan, I put up with his irregular, what do we say? His in, he was very inconsistent for years. Yeah. I think he had a couple years where he looked like he was somebody different and the Titans played a different game under him. I think the old Ryan is back. I think his career's winding down. I have him at the bottom of tier one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that there might be a little more juice to squeeze from that orange, so to speak, but it's going to depend on how, it depends what the offense looks like. But he is yeah. getting to be an older quarterback. His game has been predicated on athleticism. That's yeah. going to start to decline if it hasn't already. So. Well, it hasn't hurt him. He has the best running back in the world yeah. with him. And he's got, he, well, he has had a good line until and, last year. That's yeah. starting to fall apart. And if, so. when, they, when the line ages or changes too, that could be an issue for him. But When we come back here on the special edition QB ranking episode, we're going to move into tier two. Some established veterans that have had solid careers. Some guys coming off injuries as well. We're going to get to that next six on our quarterback rankings coming up next year on Locked On Seahawks. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? They need you the best tasting protein bar ever, the Built Bar. you got to try it. If you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choice but don't want to compromise on taste, Built Bar is the perfect thing for you. They're healthy and they taste amazing. Covered in 100% real chocolate and coming in amazing flavors such as churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy with only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And the best part, you don't have to wait to get a box sent to you now. For years, we've been saying you should order Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. Head on over to your local Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors such as brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. As has become an annual tradition, glad to be joined by my co-host today, mm -hmm. my mom, Trina Chapman Smith. We are breaking down quarterback rankings on Seattle's 2023 schedule. We just got through Tier 1, our first six players on our list. At the bottom of the list, some 
failed starters from other teams that have a chance to maybe start a rookie, a couple players that are really early in their career that haven't had much of a chance to really show what they can do. Now we're going to shift gears into our second tier of players. And before we get there, a special thanks as always to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for our everydayers out there, we're going to be tackling OTAs throughout the week. The next couple of episodes, we're going to have more to discuss as the Seahawks continue their offseason program. Without further ado, back to the rankings. Tier 2, for me, this is the established veterans returning from injury group because most of the guys fall under that umbrella. Players that have been starters, that have done a decent job in the NFL for the most part, or they're guys that have been good when they've had their chances, but they're coming back from injury. So to start off this list for me, this is a player last year. If we had this list last season, he would have been in the first tier. But Daniel Jones, what a jump that he made last year with Brian Dable as the head coach. I still have some reservations about him as a passer. I don't know that I would have been willing to pay what the Giants paid to resign him. Agreed. But at the same time, we also got to see that Daniel Jones is one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the entire NFL. He really became a weapon with his legs, the ability to run read option, extend plays, and they've added receivers for him now. He's got weapons to really take that next step throwing the football. So I'm hesitant to put him in my top 10, but he comes in number 11 on my list because I did love what I saw progression-wise, and Brian Dable now has year two to continue unearthing his potential. So he comes in at 11 for me. Ryan Tannehill, you mentioned him in your first tier. I've got him at number 10 just because for a couple of reasons. One, he's healthy. Last year he was battling injuries. I think the Titans have done a decent job of trying to restock the cupboard in their offensive line. He's still got Derrick Henry behind him, and I think Henry's probably got another year or two left in him. And so I look at the pieces around him. They're still in a division that's pretty weak. I think he's got a chance to still put up some pretty solid numbers. I don't think he is their long-term guy, though. They got Will Levis now. But for now, I think at least this season, Ryan Tannehill's the starter, and I think he'll be productive in that offense as long as he stays healthy. And at number nine, 49ers found a gem in Brock Purdy last season, but he's one of those players. He's coming back from an elbow injury. I know all about that. And he's coming back from that. He started throwing, so it looks like he's got a chance to maybe be ready for week one after nearly getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl last year before his injury. He really fit their offense well. I was really impressed with his ability to improvise and create when plays were broken down. He didn't turn the football over. He played smart football. So I've got to put him in the top 10 of my list just because I saw enough from him in his limited action last year. And I just think Kyle Shanahan does such a good job of working with quarterbacks. And they've got a great run game to balance with him, a really good offensive line for the most part. So I've got him at number nine as long as he's healthy. Right now, I think that that is their starting quarterback as long as he's able to get back from that injury. I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, has there ever been a Mister Irrelevant who was this relevant? I mean, ever in the history of the NFL? You're, you're no. I mean, this isn't even. This isn't even Tom Brady level. This, right, is, not, right. this is the last du- right. This is the last dude to fly off the board, and it's he's an amazing story. I yeah, but I have I have those guys in there. Like you said, I had Tannehill flip flopped with Pickett. But I had Jones and Purdy in about the same spot. And Jones, unlike you, he just seems so unspectacular. I think it's that Duke blandness. Sorry, Duke fans. <laughs> it's just this, he seems kind of, I don't know, vanilla, beige, white, 
wallpaper. He just seems like he's not exciting, but somehow the guy makes plays and gets it done. And yeah. it's hard to say because their whole team improved dramatically with the new coaching staff. Well, that's yeah. what uh, coaching really matters. It really it, does. Absolutely. And he was put in a bad spot with Joe Judge as the head coach. That just didn't work out. Ryan Dable comes in, and like I said, I was hesitant to put him in the top 10 just because I haven't seen enough consistency from him as a passer, but I've also seen moments of brilliance throwing the football right. that suggest to me that he can still be a top 10 caliber quarterback. At least in Seattle's schedule, he fits in that mold. As far as the next three players, number eight, seven, and six to close out tier two. Can I do one funny first for this last three? Yeah. Okay. Will the 49ers be able to unseat Vrabel and Dable? That is the question. I don't know. That's a really good question. <laughs> it's just occurring to me. Yeah. Vrabel, those are unusual last names, and here we have them. Yeah. Players back to back. So on to what we're really here to do. Yeah. Numbers eight, yeah. seven, and six in yeah. our rankings. I've got Kyler Murray at number eight. Now, I know that some of our listeners can say why, because there are some major question marks with him, not just the fact he's coming off an ACL tear that may leave him leave him out for yeah. the first five, six games, as you mentioned, but also the leadership factor. I don't like the body language that I see from I him. I agree. I don't and last year the fact that he had to put a clause in his contract that he needed to watch film because of video games. And I love video games, but they're yeah. doing your job and then there's and there's your and enjoying your hobbies. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. So there are question marks, but when he's healthy, when he's in an offense that functions well, he's not going to have the weapons around him, but I still think his ability to run the ball coming back from this injury, he's still got the arm talent from his baseball background. He's still a young quarterback and maybe a head coaching change. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Cliff Kingsbury and what he's done. Nobody's ridden the coattails of a player more than he's done with Patrick Mahomes the last 10 years. Mm. But I think that this is an opportunity for him to kind of re-solidify himself. And if he doesn't play well, Arizona's going to get a high draft pick and they might pick his replacement. So there's pressure on him. I've got him at number eight just because I think the talent is there for him to still be a very good quarterback. And number seven, I've got Jared Goff. And he would have been much lower on this list, but Detroit's kind of revived his career. They put a good running game behind him. He's playing behind a great offensive line. They've got weapons for him. Amon Ray St. Brown's becoming a superstar in front of our eyes. They've got some tight ends he can throw the ball to. Jamison Williams can have a full year healthy. I, I just think in that offense, the way they do things, he's not a guy that can carry an offense, but he can be an outstanding facilitator. So I've got him at number seven. Plus, if you know that the fan base there is so hungry for a winner and the lions i think they like what what's being put together there and yeah golf i'm with you i have undervalued him forever but it might be time that we pay attention the guy does have a super bowl ring could he get a second one in the next few when, years you never well know. he got to a super bowl he never got to i win. guess that's right yeah. they he never got to win one but he did take the rams right. to the stafford big got and the win i think that he has been underappreciated because of the offense i think a lot of people thought that Sean McVay was putting him in a position where you know, he can be foolproof to an extent. And I think good coaches do that. I mean, they make things easier on their quarterback, but he's showing in Detroit that he can run a little different offense and have success. So I like him at seven. And then the guy that replaced him, this comes with a caveat. Matthew Stafford, if he wasn't coming off of a neck injury, I would probably have him in my top five. I still think he's got good football left in him. 
They've still got Cooper Cup. They've still got a few guys around. Stafford has such a gun. If his if his throwing doesn't go about like Peyton Manning's did after all his neck trouble. But we know recall, he he had to change up the way he kind of throws he did. And if Stafford is able Stafford to do that, do though, that too. I think he can still be a yeah. really good quarterback, still be an upper tier quarterback, maybe not an elite one at this stage, but still a guy that can create some damage with his arm. He brings the leadership factor, so he's got weapons. Even without a few guys they've gotten rid of, they've still got Cooper Cup, one of the best in business. So I've got Stafford as my last guy on this tier, and maybe that's higher than some people would put him just because he's coming off that injury. But I just believe there's still going to be some good football left in him based on the medical reports that we've seen. So that caps off my second yeah. tier. Well, I don't mean I don't mean to be a Pete and a repeat, but I don't see much difference either with the – than your three in that order. I think, yeah, Goff and Stafford are both, to me, they're about equally good at this point. I just, but like you said, Stafford's got a pedigree and a history and that arm, he has got a howitzer cannon for an arm. So if he still can throw like that, yeah, I like his chances, like you said, of being more top, you know, more tier three, but... All right, let's shift into the one that fans really care about, Tier 1, and that is the five best quarterbacks that are on Seattle's schedule. Now, I think we're going to have mostly the same names, but the order might be a little bit different in terms of the way that we view things. Capping off, beginning my top five, and it pains me that I have this man here, but I'm basing this off of talent. I, I, I was disgusted that the Cleveland Browns did what they did to get Deshaun Watson, but Teams want to win football games. And I still think Deshaun Watson, even with how poorly he played after coming back from the suspension last year, he's still only 27 years old. He is a guy that I think with a full offseason program, getting to start in week one, the Browns have some weapons for him. I think that this is set up for Deshaun Watson to have a bounce back year. Even if you don't appreciate the man away from the football field, I do think that the talent is still there for him to be a real problem. And Cleveland's going to have a good defense. They're going to set things up for him. I they just, have a running game still. Yeah, they have great running game. Excellent. So I just, I just think he comes in at number five here. I, I see more upside here than some of the other guys that I mentioned in tier two. And then I've got Dak Prescott at number four. And a lot of people have soured on him because of how he played in the playoffs with the Cowboys. And I understand that. But I also understand that they had some offensive line injuries. I also understand they played the 49ers in the second round, and we saw what happened when Seattle played him. That defense was just incredible last year. I still think Dak Prescott, with the changes they made, I'm a big Brian Schottenheimer fan from what he did in Seattle with Russell Wilson in those three years, top 10 scoring offense every year. I think that he's going to be able to get a little bit more out of Dak Prescott, especially with some of the new additions that they've made on that offensive side of the ball. So I have Prescott at number four on my list. And at number three, Jalen Hurts, who looked like an MVP most of last year. Just an incredible story, too. A guy that had to transfer there were teams that were saying, you should play another position in the NFL. He said, no, I'm not doing that. Ended up taking the job from Carson Wentz. We've seen what's happened to his career since then. And Jalen Hurts took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He is loaded with talent around him. He's got a chance to take another big step this year. And quite frankly, over 700 rushing yards each of the last two years, more than 10 rushing touchdowns each of the last two yeah. years. His dual threat capabilities also makes him a real problem for defense to the Seahawks are going to have to worry about him in week 15. So yeah. he's at number three. And I think his intelligence is on, is overlooked. I mean, and remember, if you remember, he and he lost his job at what, in Alabama to Tua. Yep. And 
you know, of course, Tua has to be my guy, but Tua's got to stay healthy. Hurts has at least not been hurt, yeah. right? I mean, he's, I think Hurt is, Hurts is, I think he's the real deal. I mean, by the end of this year, we could be putting him even higher. I, I, like you said, he's surrounded by gems on that Eagles team. And Prescott, Prescott is, is excellent, but he just frustrates me. I feel like there's more there. Mm-hmm. And I think his yeah. leadership is expounded over and over again, as it should be. I mean, the man has been through a lot in his family, personal life, and he has tons of moxie at being a leader of men. But Somewhere along the line, that team's got to go up a notch or two. Yeah. So I think if he's going to go higher than four on this list, he'd better be be elevating that game. And you're right, the weapons he's got will impact it. But I think he there's a lot on him. I think there's a lot of pressure on him personally this year. I've, I, I will this say happen. this. If he does not take another step forward this year... Jerry Jones is not the I mean he's patient but but not that patient. I do no. think that Jerry yeah. is going to start getting an itch. We'll and there's a good quarterback corner. class coming out next year. Yeah, exactly. So I his replacement could be waiting on the board in 2024 for sure. And I'm like you, Watson's personal life is I have nothing but disdain for some of the things that we think when were reported. But it's it is it's a business, and he is a tremendous talent. He was great at Clemson, so we'll see. But I actually my top five are kind of in the same order. So should we talk about the? Let's talk you know, about the, the so top this two. Is, this is yeah. the one that I I think you and I are going to be on a little different tangent on, and we can we can really dig into it because yeah. they're two elite talents, and this is not me tuning my own horn. I remember when Lamar Jackson was coming out of Louisville and you and I had this discussion a few times. I thought he was the best quarterback in that class, but there was so much discussion. He was another one, Bill Polian, former Colts GM. He should play receiver. And that just made me laugh because I thought I saw this guy light people up throwing mm-hmm. the football at Louisville. I had my doubts. I mean, not thinking he couldn't be a QB, but I didn't think he was the best guy in the class. No. And we had this discussion, and so here we are. And I know the injuries have been a factor. But I also think Greg Roman, I like Greg Roman. I think he is a good play caller. But sometimes you just got to make a change. It wasn't working anymore. They needed somebody that could really expand the passing palette for Lamar Jackson. And I think that Todd Monken, who was the offensive coordinator for Georgia, their national title teams last couple of years, he's got an NFL background. They added Odell Beckham Jr. They might add DeAndre Hopkins still. They have done what they can do. It would be scary, wouldn't it? If they added him to this offense with a play caller that I think is going to really accentuate Lamar Jackson's strengths as a passer, that's why I have Lamar Jackson at number one on my list. He really... Not just strikes fear. He is somebody that makes it, as a defensive coordinator, you can't sleep at night. And I think Clint Hurt would remember a few years ago when he was a rookie, what he did when Baltimore came to Seattle. He had guys, it wasn't even raining, and it looked like guys were on a slip and slide on defense. His ability to create with his legs, and I think Todd Monken, the new weapons they've got, really showcasing the passer that he can be. I have Baltimore as a sleeper Super Bowl contender this year with that new offense. I've got him at number one, which to an extent pains me because Joe Burrow, I'm a huge fan of Joe Burrow. Cool Joe. And the way that he just comes into big games and plays at his best, elevates everybody around him, brings the leadership and tangibles, toughness, oozes toughness. 
But I just think the running ability of Lamar Jackson, and I love the offense that he's going to be playing in with Todd Monken. So that's a very close one. But I, I think those two and Jalen Hurts, those three quarterbacks, to me, are light years ahead of the other QBs that are on this list. And maybe Dak Prescott can play back into that discussion. But I just feel like there's a pretty wide gap, especially with the first two guys, both coming from the yeah. AFC North. I don't disagree with you, really. No, I mean, Burrow, to me, just oozes confidence. Like, he thinks he's going to win yeah. every time. His team totally believes in him. He fits everything the Bengals want to do perfectly. Yeah. I mean, there's he's playing in a good division. He's it's, it's everything about him. He's got a long career ahead of him, for sure. And But Jackson, to me, he's never out of a game. If he's your guy... Yeah. Your team is never out. And if, if you remember, the Dolphins played them in an OT game last year that I think there were like 110 points scored total. Dolphins came back and won it. I don't know how. <laughs> but Jackson, you always think he's got five seconds. He can make something happen. And it isn't because he's Tom Brady. It's because he's Lamar Jackson. He can do it with the legs or the yeah. arm or something else. He's He's got intangibles off the charts. And I, mean, I, I think you're right. He's the best guy in this group. And I'll say this. Again, yeah. going back to Todd Monken. I think that Monken is going to come in and say, look, we want Lamar Jackson to run yeah. the ball. That has to be part of our yeah. – that has to be part of our menu. But I also think he's going to look at it and say, hey, look at the last two years. There's been injuries. We're going to find ways to protect him a little bit more. And we are going to open up the passing game a little bit. We're going to lean more on our running backs than we have behind him. So I think that, you know, the weapon that he is, that's not going to stop necessarily. Yeah. He is still going to run the ball. And don't you think that Lamar is smart enough to know, I, I'm, as I get older, I can't just yep. improvise and just take off. I think he's got a lot more up here Especially than some of the other running quarterbacks that we've had through the years. Yeah. yeah, Him, him yeah, getting they, paid. Yeah, I couldn't believe there was talk that he may not be there. I think he's a raven for life. I just look at him and think he he fits the he fits his coach. I mean, to me, he and he and John Harbaugh are just like they they belong together. It's bread and butter. It really yeah, peanut is. butter and jelly. Yeah, I thought there was it. a chance they might actually move him just because I of. I couldn't I never thought he'd move. So this but you were right that he you knew his greatness before a lot of people in America had okay. any idea. We all miss QBs, but that is one that yeah. I am very I'm very happy that has worked out. And I know that some will say, well, I have reservations, but when he's been healthy, and I do think he's been held back. By the office. Well, you miss Justin Herbert, who's not on your list this year. But but I, that was one I told him that I wish the Dolphins had drafted yeah. him. So and I was not as high on Justin Herbert. Rob Rang, uh, my normal co-host, is was one that was very high on Justin Herbert. We have okay, seen. Rob. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yeah. the the point is here. You look at the quarterback list. I, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't feel like overall that this quarterback crop on Seattle's schedule is quite as good I as there's been some. Now, if a kid like Bryce Young comes in and dominates right away, which could happen, he's a spectacular We'll be wiping player. the egg off your beard. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if he comes in, I think he's got a chance to be really good. But if he comes in, has a yeah. big year, Kenny Pickett takes a big leap, I do think Pittsburgh is a potentially scary team. And the thing is, they're playing in the same division as Raven and the Bengals. That division is gone. But Pittsburgh has a winning culture. That's and just so that who matters. they are. 
So the point that we've got here is really the AFC North looks like it'd be pretty dangerous. Three quarterbacks in our top five, respectively, uh, that are going to be playing. Am I wrong? The AFC overall looks scarier. And it, the quarterback that, is Aaron Rodgers now with the Jets. Um, Seahawks don't have him on their need schedule. Need we say anything about Mahomes and... You know, we know. You I mean, the, if Russell Wilson Bills, bounces back, Russell Wilson still yeah. might not be a top ten quarterback in the AFC. That is how good that conference is. So Seattle's going to have to deal with that if Kenny Pickett improves. I mean, at least a couple of those guys, no matter what, are going to be at home in January. Not all of them can make the playoffs. The yeah. NFC does not have near as many certainties at quarterback, and I guess Seattle can look at that from a positive that we do have a guy that was a Pro Bowler last year. And Geno Smith, we just gave a contract we think can still be even better this season. I'm sure you'll talk about that on your programs later. Can Geno do it for another year or two or three? What is the upside? What is, where's his ceiling? Where right? is his ceiling at? But yep. right now, the NFC doesn't have a lot of certainty. There's not a lot of proven commodities because there has been a number of guys like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers move on to the AFC. And so Seattle's going to have to deal with several of those really good quarterbacks from the AFC North at the same time. They also have plenty of unproven guys that are on their schedule as well. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You will not be following my mom on Twitter. No social media accounts for her. Unless you end up at the hospital, and I hope not. I hope not. (laughs) You can subscribe to Locked on Seahawks on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcast. Coming up on our Monday show, Rob and I will continue to break down OTAs, the latest developments. We'll be tackling your mailbag questions and much more. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Go Hawks.